0: Help! I have anxiety and I don't want it. That's the topic of today's show. Welcome to Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph. And this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we get to discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Thanks so much for tuning in. Perhaps that was a really cruel way for me to start the show, because the reality is we don't actually get to take our anxiety away. Um, We do get to play around with the intensity that our anxiety produces in us, but anxiety in and of itself is actually a very important uh, way that our body responds, and it's a very important thing to allow to unfold. The point of anxiety is to send us danger signals or to send us cues that we need to be more conscientious or aware of the context that we're in, and then sometimes it sends us faulty signals. And that's really where we're going to spend some time camping out today. Number one, making sure that we don't resent that we have anxiety. If you do have it, congratulations. That automatically qualifies you to be more human. And then the second place we're going to spend some time is understanding that if it is sending you inappropriate signals, perhaps there's some clinical intervention that could support you. But maybe it was unkind of me at the start to imply we could just get rid of your anxiety. That's just not a thing. It's not something that you would even want to be accurate about your life because anxiety is going to be something that actually supports us in a really um, helpful way. So anecdotally, I'm going through one of the harder seasons of my life right now. It's been just a, a copious amount of transitions and a lot of um, just reorganization that's happening. And that is a lot of times for a lot of people where anxiety is going to show up. And where it's probably going to feel more disarming because in a state of transition, far fewer things are under our control than maybe we would like. And anxiety and control tend to have a really interesting interplay. The more I have perception of control, the more my anxiety can stay in check. The less perception of control I have, the more my perception of risk is going to increase, which is going to organically lead to my anxiety increasing. Anxiety is not a bad thing. It actually has a very appropriate place, and it's going to show up at appropriate times, usually. Um I was talking to my state supervisor a couple weeks ago, so I'm an LLPC right now, that's for a couple months yet here. And so one of the pieces of that particular license is to go and have a supervisor who can kind of walk you through a uh, different casework that you're doing. And so we were talking about anxiety and I said, you know, I understand one of the goals is to get our bodies into homeostasis, and um, that is a future episode. That's probably a really cool science thing that I love to share with uh, clients, is you know how our bodies crave homeostasis, but not going to be the uh, path we walked down today. Um, but as I was talking about that, he said, no, actually the goal is not homeostasis because there are times when anxiety is going to not only be um, appropriate, but it's probably going to be vital. And he said one of the places we would especially see that is if someone is serving in our military and they're over in conflict, there is not a chance that being at homeo- or in homeostasis is appropriate for them. Anxiety and stress and hypervigilance are going to be part and parcel of life-saving measures for them, potentially. They're going to need to be on guard. They're going to need to be as alert as possible And that's what anxiety does. It flips us into the part of our brain that is um, acutely aware of threats and analyzing for threats. And that is appropriate in some contexts. Now, the issue we run into then with anxiety, let's say you have served overseas and then you come back home. um, The issue we run into is the body isn't given enough time often to return to a new state of um, appropriate anxiety. And so we do have many people who serve and they come back and they stay in hypervigilance because they're not given a, a long enough adjustment time or enough strategies for their body to reacclimate to a lower level of um, anxiety or to a lower level of appropriate uh, threat analysis. And so anxiety very much has a time and a place, and it's a far less dramatic example compared to going overseas and fighting. But in my own life right now, it is just a giant season of transition. There are many different pieces that are moving um, professionally and personally And as I'm trying to navigate that, it's important for me to recognize that not only is anxiety going to show up, but anxiety has to show up here. And it's going to actually compel me to move in certain directions because it's sending me cues of where the discomfort is, where the dissatisfaction is. And it's telling me exactly where I need to grow in strategies and grow in skills and make choices and create boundaries because when the, um, the senses are firing at me that I'm uncomfortable or I'm unsafe, it's actually cueing me into where I probably need to do some of my most important work. So task one today is not only to normalize anxiety, but to actually have a lot of reverence for it because it shows up in a way that is supposed to be so protective and so helpful for us. Now, there are going to be times where it shows up inaccurately, and we're going to spend some time there. But I do want to make sure that, you know, collectively, we understand that anxiety is not the enemy. And I say that because I do work with uh, populations that are quite vulnerable to anxiety, and that's um, the 18 to 25 demographic. When we look at um, who are most vulnerable to anxiety, depression, and then we look at, you know, really hard outcomes of that, like people who start to contemplate Suicide because they're so uh, distressed. Um, This is a population that there's a lot of concern there. So 18 to 25 is very vulnerable. But look through what's happening in those years you're asking someone to go through the rite of passage of graduating high school and then figure out what does adulting look like? What is the next steps for me? And instead of having, you know, the last 18 years of people calling all the shots for you, now you have going forward where you have to start calling all of the shots for yourself, or at least you are gradually released into calling a whole host of shots for yourself. And that can become really overwhelming and immobilizing. And as I work with high schoolers and as I work with college kids and they say to me, like, I don't want anxiety take it away help me get rid of it I have to just very gently push back and say friend of course you have anxiety why wouldn't you have anxiety I'd be concerned if you didn't and we really have to normalize the fact that it is a helpful uh, system that our bodies have that just shows us that big things are going on and from my point of view it also is supposed to prompt us towards reaching out and getting resources to help us navigate that's especially true for our 18 to 25 year olds We also have a whole diagnostic category in the DSM-5, which is, um, they're the codes that we pull to to bill insurance. We have a whole diagnostic category, they're called adjustment disorders, and as far as I know, many of my clinical friends, that's one of the categories we heavily pull from because categorically, that is why so many people come to therapy. They're going through a transition, there's anxiety, they need a new set of eyes on the situation, they need new skills developed because anxiety is part of transitions. so again, if you're going through something big in your life and you have anxiety, congratulations, you're normal, you're human, and you're doing things exactly the right way. Now, the reason we get concerned with anxiety is when it runs unchecked, there are some outcomes that can be very poor for someone, um, potentially. So I don't have the opportunity to like create a visual here for you and show it to you, um, so I'm going to try to verbally go through it and see if that helps at all. But imagine I just have a straight line and it's labeled zero, and then on the side of that line, we have a, um, above that line, we have a plus one. And under that line, we have a minus one. Then we have a plus two and a minus two and a plus three and a minus three. And so we just have this, um, this straight line and the, then the opportunity to move up or down on it. What tends to happen with anxiety is let's say that my anxiety is at like a plus three. Um, anxiety is borrowing energy from the future. So because we're taking energy from somewhere, we're going to need to kind of pay that back. So, if my anxiety climbs to like a plus three, then my body's going to have to recover from it at some point, and it's going to dip, usually pretty proportionately, down to a negative three. Which is where people experience these feelings of depression, lethargy, disinterest, that sort of thing. So what I do with clients is I say, okay, let's let's rate your anxiety. And they're like, it's out of control today, it's a it's a plus four, it's a plus five. The reason we don't want to keep it there is because the recovery is just exhausting. The recovery is going to put you at like a minus four or a minus five. And it's usually if you have one or two days of heightened anxiety, you're probably going to be followed by one or two days of sapped energy and that's really only if you're teens and your 20s. Now, come to our 30s and 40s and our bodies don't restore energy nearly as quickly, then an episode of unchecked anxiety is probably going to produce a longer episode of recovery which for some people, you know, shows up by way of depression. So we've laid two truths out about anxiety. Number 1, it's completely normal, and number 2, it's borrowed energy. Now, the third thing to kind of walk away from today is what happens when we have more than just kind of normal adjustment, big things are happening, anxiety. So, what do we do if and when our normal response to big life stuff now becomes maladaptive and now it becomes a much bigger deal and maybe anxiety starts to become immobilizing? And although that can't really be all that unpacked today because these are, you know, fairly short episodes, the one piece that is most important to kind of sit with is the fact that our anxiety is going to be heavily, heavily influenced by our thought patterns. And if we're not intentional with how we think about our situation, ourselves, and the world around us, we are running a risk of intersecting with anxiety at a much higher cadence than is probably necessary. So I have a friend and mentor who has just over the past couple months done a really good job of working with me on adjusting my language as I kind of explore my own narrative. And I was um, I was chatting with him and I said, um, kind of in a moment of distress, I said, I feel like I'm alone on an island. And he said, Steph, you actually can't say that. Number one, because it's inaccurate and number two, because when you're says that and it comes out of your mouth, that is going to be the catalyst for your emotions. And so the thought pattern, even though for me it felt accurate, um, it was important that he push back against that and say, no, not only is that not accurate, but what you're actually doing is contributing to a worse outcome for yourself by engaging in this type of thought. And thoughts really do so heavily influence how we navigate the world around us and how we intersect with other people. So, if I, let's say I get a flat tire on my way to work today, Um, if I have the thought process that says, um, yep, bad things happen sometimes, this is inconvenient, but I have the resources to fix it, well, then I can handle it and kind of move about my day. But if I have the thought process that, oh, these bad things only happen to me and, and, you know, the world is against me or this is karma or I'm being punished or whatever that is, that type of internal dialogue is going to lead to a much higher outcome of distress and potentially anxiety solely based on the way I'm thinking about the situation. Now, there's a whole host of episodes that we'll do, you know, further along the line about thought patterns and the uh, importance of taking thoughts captive. But it felt like an important thing when we introduce anxiety, number one, at the, at the onset to normalize it. It is going to show up. It is part of our human experience, and it isn't something we should be surprised by. If we do let it keep running and we don't do anything to intervene on it, it is a cycle of borrowing energy and then we get depleted and have to recover, borrow energy, depleted, recover. And so you do really want to adopt strategies, both proactive and reactive. And that's kind of the episode for tomorrow to talk through what are some of the restorative practices we can do on the regular to help uh, push back against a big anxiety reaction. And then the final place uh, that we camped out today was understanding how much our thought patterns are going to contribute to the distress that we feel. And again, in future episodes, we can be very intentional about developing that more. But a question to be asking yourself um, on the regular is, is this fact or is this feeling? And camping out in the understanding that we have to let facts drive our emotions and not let feelings co-opt our emotions and paint a picture that might not be accurate um, because that's that's really something that anxiety thrives off from. So the other thing is, if you are in fact having unchecked anxiety, anxiety that's running the show, anxiety that you have to recover from, um, that's where clinical intervention can be so helpful. There are many of us who are willing to walk with you through that. Um, A lot of times there's just some skill building that needs to happen. There's some boundary uh, setting that needs to happen. There's just some kind of realignment of um, kind of our thoughts and our feelings. And so I I know many people who would love to walk with you through that. Um, Anxiety, normal. Asking for help, sometimes very necessary. If you do feel a lot of anxiety running, I definitely encourage you to check back tomorrow as we wrap up a little bit of this discussion with some intentional strategies. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you would like to follow at the Healing Through Pain Facebook page, you're welcome to connect with me there. Have a good day.